pepperoni pizza. Pineapples are the best. Yippee Hey everybody, this is Maverick with the DTS Gaming Crew, joined by my co-host, Michael. Say hi, Michael. How goes it, everyone? And uh, unfortunately, John will not be able to join us today. He did get called on a random, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, what would you call it? Random emergency, random call where he had to go interview some celebrities. Do you, do you have any idea who those celebrities were, Mike? John Cassier, the Crypt Keeper himself. Oh, the, the OG keeper. of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the only person he was interviewing? Um, I believe so. It was supposed to be Kane Hodder also, but I think I think they got him. Okay. I think both of covered him. And um, sad news as well in that. Uh, well, do you do you want to inform us with what's going on with Chrissy and, and what she's moving on to? Chrissy will no longer be joining us on our podcast, but she'll be moving on to what's in development of a girl gamers podcast. Sounds fancy. Yes. Cool. Um, so she's trying to raise awareness to a very sensitive issue, which I think plagues a lot of uh, female gamers, women gamers, girl gamers, whatever you want to identify yourself as. And I wish her and of course, all of us wish her nothing but the best because she's still part of the DTS gaming crew and we'll support each other in any way that we can. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this very special episode is going to be the first of what I hope to be many called DTS Connects. This particular one is called A Journey into the Age of Sigmar. The reason it's called that is because we have a guest with us. His name is Daniel. Say hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing? (laughs) Daniel is a longtime friend of mine. He is one of the few people that when I would game, I would say, I guess, Magic, right? That's the game that connected us. I'd say so. That's fair. He was one of the he's one of the people that I relied to get strategies on. So it was a very tight-knit circle, and he was one of the few who was able to make the cut of the Team Sparkle Motion when we used to dominate MTG Magic back in the day. Sparkle Motion. <laughs> oh, it was the good old days, the, the OG days, as they say. <laughs> Long but not oh, forgotten. Um, definitely. And the podcast is actually going to be focusing on Daniel, of course. That's why he's here with us. He's our guest. And his journey to Las Vegas to play in a Warhammer tournament for the Age of Sigmar. And, well, I don't want to spoil anything for anyone that tuned in to listen. So let's get right down to the nitty gritty here. Daniel, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Ah, thank you, Maverick. I appreciate it. Um, so a couple things about me. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of my my gaming pedigree, if you will. Uh, so you mentioned Magic from back in the day. So uh, I've played Magic competitively on and off for uh, since Revised. So if that doesn't make reference, that's about 25, 26 years ago. Yep. Um, it's, it's been a minute. Um, <laughs> in and out of the tournament scene for Magic, uh, did organization tournament prep for a little while on a small community level past that way back in the day in junior high high school got into warhammer 40,000 played with a whole bunch of high school buddies kind of fell in and out of the hobby as one does and pretty much met up with Mauto. uh we crossed paths multiple times over the years in the Rio Grande Valley for the magic scene and then later as we kind of you know, hung around the same uh, local gaming store. Those are always the best, by the way. Support your local gaming stores. Yes. Past that, um, let's see. So I guess we'll start from, well, what do you think, Mato, like about 
three years ago and just getting back into Age of Sigmar and getting back into tabletop and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, go for it. Like, because last I knew, I don't remember you ever playing or touching Warhammer miniatures. So this is like kind of exciting when I found out that you actually went and played somewhere. So that seems like a good spot to start, man. Go for it. Okay. So I'll I'll tell the origin story of the return, as as they like to say. Uh, (laughs) When you get into like Warhammer, uh, you kind of hear a very common story among people where they you know they played a little bit when they were a kid and then you know life gets in the way around the end of high school college all that kind of stuff there tends to be a girl or other relationships and then people get a little bit older and then they circle back to the hobby so i mean that's pretty much my story in a way also so getting back into gaming is more as an adult which is the best gaming ever you know yeah definitely you got money to spend yeah, it's, it's it's so interesting. You're not broke anymore. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, so getting back into the hobby. So oh, I want to say about about three years ago, uh, I started looking at miniatures again, looking at Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, that kind of stuff. I've always been a little bit of fan of 40k, but I've always been more of a of a fantasy person. Just never really had anybody to play with on that one. Tried it a couple different times and just never really worked out. Um, so I picked it up honestly for the love of the hobby, getting back into it. So looking at, you know, painting, building miniatures, models, all that kind of good stuff. So jumping back into the hobby a little bit, bought some models, tried to build a couple things and basically didn't do too much of it. That was when Age of Sigmar just came back out. And I'll tell you kind of an interesting story. About three years ago, I was in San Antonio for my birthday and me and the, me and the wife were looking at one of the game workshop stores and we actually stopped and talked to the person there and the second edition of Sigmar had just come out. And of course, if you ever walked into a game workshop store, they try to sell you stuff. It just how they work. <laughs> uh, have either one of y'all ever been into like one of the actual game workshop stores? So we have a Warhammer store here in Corpus Christi, right, Mike? Yes. And I have yet to step foot in it because I think we've been splitting our focus between video games and tabletop games. And I think... We're going to just completely reshift our focus on tabletop games for a while. And, and because of the quarantine and all that, like it kind of slowed things down because we just got this group started like a few months ago around the time the quarantine started kind of happening. So I have yet to go, but I do <laughs> make it. I do. I am going to make it an F, like a, a plan to go and uh, see what's going on, man, because that's exciting. I, I haven't been there yet. Is it an actual like games workshop store or is it just like an LGS that 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 does that also? I mean, it's called Warhammer, right, Mike? Yeah, it's just called Warhammer. Yeah, it's at a game workshop store. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Then. Yeah, and, so and, those so, are yeah, pretty t- small stores. Tell us about that, man, because I have yet to go to an actual games workshop store, and I am planning to go to one, so let me know what, I'm, what I can expect to, when I get there. So you, you walk into a game workshop store. They're, they're, they're pretty small establishments. They're very uh, boutique. Uh, it's a very boutique hobby, as they would say. It's a little, little pricey. Uh, a lot of components and whenever you walk in they they kind of give you a little tour they'll they're neat they'll they'll demo you games so they'll, they'll walk you through stuff they'll show you basic painting stuff and they'll kind of point you in the right direction of everything so they kind of did that a little bit for for me and my wife and my wife pretty much went like you know being the amazing wife that she is she you know it's like oh yeah i got you know uh what i would say she will humor and, and, and play the game with me a little bit just to kind of give me a you know, a leg up to kind of get through the rules and all that kind of stuff. So we jumped into it and I ended up basically painting a small force and we 
taught ourselves the game between the two of us. And as things just kind of progressed over the next like four or five months, uh, we actually started talking about traveling to the Las Vegas Open. But last year, so 2019 at the beginning of the year, we had never been to Vegas. So we just kind of thought it was like a fun thing to go and do. And for some crazy reason, my wife actually agreed to play the doubles tournament, which is kind of like a secondary event that happens on Sunday at the end of the con nice. with me. Yeah. Yeah. So she jumped in. She didn't know what she was getting herself into. So she she jumped in both feet to, to have a good time for, for that Sunday. And we um, leading up to it, we, you know, I painted up the armies and all that kind of good stuff. And we flew out to Vegas and had three games on Sunday and we, we had a lot of fun. And pretty much that was like the bug that that really bit me into the the full scene hobby of you know never never going to a big tournament like that before and then jumping into basically the second largest event first time around uh that they have of age of sigmar so that's kind of like the little intro that kind of got me into the hobby and then over the past year a couple of things happened and then the the triumphant return this year to las vegas is another interesting story (laughs) So how, how did so, you end up doing the first time you went then? Uh, we It was an interesting experience. Uh, we, it was just a Sunday secondary event. It was a doubles tournament, so it was 2v2. Those are very casual, just kind of funsies games for the most part. We actually ended up going uh, one and two. Won the first round and then got tore up round two and round three, you know. But we, we had a blast doing it. And, you know, we had two out of three games were amazing. We met some really neat people and... Warhammer is such a such a different tabletop experience, different gaming experience than say video games or a lot of other things out oh, there. Yeah. Uh, for the rules and restrictions from casual play to tournament play, is it different somehow when you went to Las Vegas? Um, technically, the rules are the same, but the mentality is very different, and you you learn very quickly on what's good and what's bad <laughs> and um our friend john he always give us examples like do you have to paint your miniature sets in certain colors or else you won't be allowed to play them so definitely so one of the big gaps between like you know age of sigmar or most of the wargaming community is you your stuff has to be playing, painted if you're going to play a, a regional plus event so anything like larger than a weekend event at a local lgs everything has to be painted minimum three colors and it just really goes up from there it's it's very interesting the the it is very much a barrier to entry and a labor of love at the same time (laughs) that makes sense (laughs) yeah that makes total sense man yeah and you know uh, i i've only competed like in one huge tournament but like since most of the tournaments i competed in were local uh that also depends on the location like some locations expect you to have your stuff painted even though if it's a local tournament with only four to six people showing up otherwise they still won't let you enter so like it's best just to check ahead of time like uh because with an event like that or even like a small event they'll make sure to post that to make that clear that you must have your minis painted in order to participate or whatever Uh, i've seen a lot on the on the local ones where and even on some of the medium-sized one they'll 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 let you play if you don't have miniatures Mm but you know automatically going in that you're zero prizing for anybody who's (laughs) not completely painted like you just like no prizing for you (laughs) (laughs) and from your experience going to las vegas to one of these bigger tournaments was there anything you learned now that you thought you could have taken with you like how um whenever i've gone to a a game store i've seen that they use rulers and stuff 
is there any of that that you could have saw that you could have provided better for yourself or do they provide that or anything extra offhand outside of that to better yourself for the tournament, like a backpack, you know? So like on, on the Warhammer scene, like when you're getting there, if, if you have hopes of finishing your games in a lot of times, um, if you ever played big tabletop games, they, they give you two and a half hours to finish around. And if you don't really, if you're not prepared, if you don't have like all your rules set up, your notepads, everything you be, be proficient, rulers, um, pre-measure sticks, all those kind of things like that. If you don't have that stuff ready to go, it's it's a rough day. You're, you're <laughs> all of a sudden you're you're this awkward guy that's like, um, um, what does my guy do again? <laughs> <laughs> and that's putting it mildly, man. Because you're right, like two and a half hours, like to finish a match. And yep. then on top of that, what, like maybe an, sometimes up to an hour waiting just so you can go start the next round. Yep. And it, it gets tiring, frustrating. So, like, take snacks with you. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's something that you want to take with you to make sure your backpack has room for snacks. On top of everything that you think you, you're going to possibly need. Even if you're like, oh, well, I might only use it once. It's better to take it and put that burden on your back. Then forget it and put that burden on yourself for the entire day. Yeah. So the the experience on, on a on a Warhammer tournament is so different than say Magic the Gathering. Like you look at Magic the Gathering, like the events for Magic are just so the, the people you meet, that the pace of the day, it is just such a different experience from that kind of a scene. So you you, you look at like magic people show up and you have multiple thousand player events where you're going to grind for 10 plus hours in a day and you're going to try to burn through the rounds and like you said you know you try to make sure you have everything you backpack you don't know if you're going to have time for lunch because your round went long all those kind of things happen like a warhammer event is very different i mean there's a scheduled lunch break like for an hour (laughs) and at like 10 a.m at whatever hotel that you're playing in they have a bar set up in the place that you're playing in. It, it's a very different experience versus, you know, Magic the Gathering, per se, where you're crammed into a place. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I remember that. It was for the Bell of Lost Souls. Like, they, they went to Austin, and so I went yeah, to good. Austin, Texas. And, yeah, man, they had, like, food vendors out there, like, yeah. right outside the yeah. hall. I'm like, oh, badass. Yeah, yeah. Scheduled lunch. It's, it's, it's right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, before we let Daniel continue on his journey to the Age of Sigmar Las Vegas tournament, I just want to remind anyone listening that these episodes, I want to use them as a platform to encourage you to participate in these kind of events. I recommend start small, start local, go, go to your local stores, hit them up, see what kind of events they have. So that way you can get into the routine of doing these kind of things. So when you feel comfortable enough... You can go out of state, out of the city to go travel and just build an experience. It's it's totally an experience that I recommend everyone having if they haven't already done it. Not with Warhammer, not specifically with Warhammer. Uh, Warhammer, <laughs> of course, being huge. Magic the Gathering, any game out there that you can think of that you love, start locally. That's what I recommend. Connect with your local gamers before you move on to the different city and state levels. There's a game. There's a gamer locally that just absolutely loves whatever this is that we're talking about, and they want to show you how to play so they can have more people to play. They're there. You just got to go find them. Yeah, yeah. We're we're there. Trust me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're there. You just got to look for us. 
Go ahead, man. Let's continue to regale us with your fancy story of traveling to Las Vegas to do Age of Sigmar. So th- that was kind of like the, you know, the, the pre-stage there to where we'd gone out there and we had made plans to come back for the next year, which was for this year, right at 2020, beginning of 2020. So like over the year, I'll give you a couple cliff notes. I played a couple local events, got more involved in my local scene, taught a couple people how to play, made one trip to Houston and played a two-day tournament in Houston, got to know some of the, the Texas guys, which are absolutely awesome really good texas community for warhammer's age of sigmar and we get back into pretty much the fourth quarter of 2019 and we start making our plans to go back to to las vegas open again for the tournament but instead of this time you know my wife realized that she doesn't want to play the tournament with me she wants me to go you know have a good time all that kind of good stuff and play the main event so decided to do that so we go back out to vegas again start getting ready for the tournament and then jump in, plan a couple months out, start painting everything, working on your hobby and try to get that kind of crunch. So about you said you played a couple of the other uh, tabletop games and stuff like that. Can you think of anything else besides, you know, Warhammer or something identical to Warhammer that has like the barrier of entry that Warhammer does? Um, any other game that's similar to Warhammer, man, honestly, because just the painting and the the hobby time that requires yeah because like just trying to think off the top of my head that all the games that i've played i both regret and don't regret playing warhammer (laughs) fair fair statement (laughs) because it it is hard to try to get to build a community for that if um the people because it costs a lot of money to begin with it kind of it takes a I, lot of well, yeah, I, you're I, right. I disagree with that statement a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, uh, because there are ways that you can still make budget builds uh, off. You know, especially now, like you go online and you can find ways, like a lot of creative ways, to build a budget army. That's that's fine. But I'm not the kind of person that likes to do that. Uh, I if I'm gonna <laughs> buy something, I have to buy it from the box, build it myself, paint it myself. Yeah, of course, and yeah. that can sometimes get expensive depending on what it is that you want to do um true true but no i mean honestly like you know and i say that you know jokingly that i regret getting into warhammer it's because it was just so time consuming painting those miniatures assembling those miniatures so i cannot think of any other game that's that has that barrier of entry yeah it's interesting it 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 really changes like the the mindset that people that that really go to these tournaments and do these events and all that kind of stuff like that it's it's very different than a magic player i use that but it could be just easily a a competitive street fire street street fighter player same thing right you know they buy a console and buy a game and they get after it and same thing for magic you you buy into a deck and you're basically ready to go as long as you have the skill to, to pilot it you're you're good to go yeah some something like this you have to you know the army that I took to Vegas, uh, I probably had 80 to 120 hours just in army prep. And I wasn't happy with it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I got it done. <laughs> and by army prep, you mean like assembling, painting? Yep. All the stuff. Building the thing, learning the thing, uh, painting the thing, all that kind of stuff. And I understand like if there are any hardcore 40K fans or Warhammer fans, I'm sorry, listening to this, it's kind of like... I remember that not everyone is at our skill level. Some people sometimes don't understand the lingo that we use. So I try to intervene and use 
lingo that beginner gamers or gamers that are interested in just Warhammer in general might be able to understand and relate to a little better. Uh, so forgive me, veteran Warhammer fans, if you're listening, I apologize, but it has to be done. Yeah, you got to make the assumption that they don't know anything and just kind of warm them up to the idea, because if not, I can start dropping jargon that nobody talks about it and <laughs> yeah. they have no point of reference. Yeah, exactly. And, and for our listeners who may be curious for the barrier of entry, what would be the easiest, less costly way to get into Warhammer? So the way Game Workshop like sells the idea to you on how to do this hobby, they they really want you to, you know, basically buy a unit, paint it, build it, and then buy another one and then buy another one. And you slowly build your army over time. Basically, nobody ever does that. Just, you know, everybody just buys half an army plus. Easiest way to get to it is just buying one of their starter sets for whatever editions out. Whether it be 40k or Age of Sigmar. They'll have some large box, some large two-player box that have relatively balanced forces that you just buy, build, and, you know, jump off the deep end like that, basically. Start playing on your kitchen table is how most people get into it. And that's a great way to get a friend to start playing it because it's two players. Yes. No solo mode. <laughs> well, you can solo mode, but uh, with Warhammer, it's highly recommended you play it with a really good friend. Yeah, okay. definitely. Um, the other interesting thing about the hobby is that there's there is like the competitive side and there's, there's basically everything else. The vast majority of people who play this game honestly play it for the styles of the models that they like, that they want to build and paint. And be involved with the story that's according to them. Guilty. Yep. (laughs) And how would you describe the learning curve for this game? Uh, Age of Sigmar actually, I think, has a really, really good learning curve. They redesigned the game and relaunched it uh, about four years ago. And when they did that redesign, the barrier to entry to understand how to play the game is very simple. I, I use my wife as a very perfect example of this. She can she's good at basic tabletop games. King of Tokyo, Ticket to Ride, those kind of games that have some complex methods to them, but they're pretty basic. She mm-hmm. was able to pick it up um, basically in, in an evening. So if if it passes the wife test, it's it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> hey, isn't, that, isn't that also the same reaction we got with the play test from Questing Cannons, Mike? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like if it has to pass the girlfriend test or the wife test, like... That's hilarious that you mentioned that, man, because uh, I think that's like a universal tabletop rule, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time, if the game is good, it's one of those things where it's simple to learn, but basically impossible to master is what you're looking for. <laughs> and that's what it tags. It, it, it hits those buttons. You can go as crunchy as you want, or you can just beer and pretzels and throw dice and drink beer and have a good time. It's fine. It, it's whatever you want to make out of it. That's what makes it a good game. And um, following this question, following this up, um, what makes Warhammer Age of Sigmar different from uh, the other Warhammer games? Um, from, say, 40K, 40,000, Warhammer 40,000? I yes. think, I like, uh, like the appeal, in other words. Like, So take me, for example. I started playing fantasy first because the whole fantasy genre appeals to me more than the whole futuristic warmonger model does. Mm-hmm. So, like... What drove you to play Age of Sigmar competitively instead of 40K or another tabletop game? It's a little bit of a rabbit hole question, but I'll I'll try and keep it (laughs) reasonable. So Age of Sigmar versus Warhammer 40K. So Sigmar um, is fantasy-based, so I will tip my hat to that, that I prefer more of the fantasy aesthetic. So that's kind of the, the leading point that I'll answer with. And again, you know, you spend so much of this game just 
building models and painting and creating things that you love the look of and the story behind and all that kind of stuff. So that that's the main thing that drew me to it. Past that, when you look at the two different gaming systems, Age of Sigmar, I think they really got right versus 40k. So just to give you a, a quick snippet and not get too crunchy into anything, um, Age of Sigmar, when when they run tournaments and all that kind of stuff, they literally just play the match play missions out of the book. End of story. There's no adjustments to them. There's no special rulings. For the most part, it, it's just straight out of the book. Warhammer 40k is such a weird game of imbalances <laughs> and different armies. When if you go to play a competitive event with them, they universally do not use game workshop rules. They use ITC rules, which is an independent tournament circuit. It's these guys out of um, California, the ones who actually put on the LVO, Frontline Gaming. They basically had to rewrite competitive missions so people could actually play it competitively. So that kind of should tip your hat on which one they got right out of the box, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So what you thinking on that, Mike? I mean, have you played any of these big war gamings or are you more of just the the board game type, video eating type? How's it going for you? Uh, For me, I am, I would call myself a rookie beginner. The reason I ask you these questions, I've only played Warhammer. I'm not sure which version it was about four to five times. And I more or less know like maybe some intro rules. But mm-hmm. from what I did play of it, it was a very fun experience, and I did enjoy my time. So, so what stopped you, Mike? Um, I, my friend who had the models, uh, he no longer lives here. Ah, uh, okay, all right. I was, mm-hmm. I was just wondering, like maybe if it was something like the game that you didn't like, or you saw how much money you were gonna spend, or how much time you had to invest to make these models look pretty. Oh no! Like <laughs> I, I was down for it. Like he was get he he was like. I was getting lured into it, and I was like, yo, you know, I was considering going orc because he was telling me about the orc because I was, like, drilling him with questions. I was like, okay, well, what would be the best way for me to get involved? Like, what are some of the cheapest models? And, like, he was, like, he was, like guiding me, and I was like, okay, well, I'll look it up on Amazon. And, like, soon enough, like, maybe a month later, he moved, and I was like, well, I don't got no one to play with then. <laughs> we'll look into that, Mike. We're, we're definitely going to look into that now that uh, the quarantine thing is dying down. Hopefully, the coronavirus cases don't spike up and we can hit up the warhammer shop together and uh maybe if something catches your fancy we can look it over and uh start discussing some real possibilities here about getting mike into warhammer i am totally not for that nice nice uh i I have met a couple of guys when i played the texas tournaments that were from corpus area so i mean there, there are active players in your area so that that is good Hey man, they they opened a Warhammer store for a reason here, right? Yep. Sure. <laughs> so, <There you> go. <laughs> and it's still open, and so uh, I gotta hit it up. Scratch that off my bucket list, I guess. My terrible, <laughs> but my mediocre bucket list. Uh, but That's anyways, fair <laughs> go, um, going back to your uh, your story here, where did we leave off? Uh, we we were kind of working back up to the 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 triumph return to Vegas, where I'm gonna play the. The main event, you know, two-day event, five games of Warhammer, and I, I was getting ready, uh, fourth quarter, last three, four months of the year, building and painting, and scheming my perfect army list <laughs> that I'm going to go do awesome. Oh, that reminds me. Yeah, so on the topic of your of the army that you decided to go, because, God, I can't tell you how many times I've, like, how many hours and days, and I can probably accumulate all those hours that I've agonized into 
deck building, team building, army building, any kind of building like for a tournament, even if it's a local tournament, like I rack my brain the night before just making sure is this the army is this the deck that i want to go take and play with you know what i mean like i'm because well you know i'm pretty competitive when it comes to games yeah definitely so am i (laughs) how did you decide how did you come to the conclusion that the army you took to las vegas the second time around that that's the army that you're you're happy with and you're gonna take and you're gonna play all right so that's that's a very good question so there's a couple things so whenever it comes to competitive competitive events you have to understand that basically 30 days before the event happens you have to submit the list that you're going to play 30 days before the event happens 30 days 30 days okay that sounds about right so 30 days you got to turn in your list and they do that because in case if rule changes they, they hit the freeze button on these are the rules that we're playing with we're not changing anything, and we're going to go forward. So basically, you, you get the the two minutes to midnight syndrome, you know, with a couple different things. Okay, so what models do I have? What can I get done over the next thirty days? You know, what can I push myself to finish? Because if you can't paint it, you can't play with it. So there's uh, what they call a, a hobby hang up time, hobby lag. They'll, they'll call it in, in this particular circuit. So you have to look at what you got, assess the tools that you have. You can't, you know, two-day anything in from eBay to, to spice up your deck. It it's, doesn't work that way. You got to just make your best decision with what you got and what you think you can finish. And you throw it out there and you hope for the best. So yeah. really no no midnight agonizing crying? No. Dude, well, I, no, that, that, I think that I cried a couple That's times. 30 days before, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, but still, like, it's it's still, it's the army that you're going to stay, you're stuck yeah. with. Once you're once that set in stone, like you're stuck with it, right? Like you can't say, "Oh, hey, I made a change," right? Yeah, no, no. And that's well, what I'm saying. But, like, so, but what happens is that the second you push that button and you send your list in, like you've committed yourself to a certain amount of hobby work between now and then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So maybe it is just me then, because t- you're seeing no, it's this. Not. <laughs> you're, because I, I'm seeing like uh, from your perspective, you're seeing it as well. What can I do and what do I have to work with? Whereas me, it's like, what can I do to optimize the the list that the, the best possible combination that I can make with what I have and yep. what what I can do to optimize that? Like, is there maybe a couple more bucks oh, that same, I need to shell same out? Same story for sure. It, it, it really is the same story model. Okay. Um, it, it's really the same story that the. The, the, the big difference is that whenever you're tweaking and you're planning your optimization, you're doing all these things like that, the, the, the big thing that, that hangs over your head in this hobby is what do I have to paint to make that happen? Okay. And, How many uh, hours does it take to do that? Is it possible to recycle a unit to, the to say, the next year's tournament at Las Vegas? Or is there is there highly is there like a 90% chance you will have to change someone out from your unit? Even if they're already pre-colored from last year's. Oh yeah, you can basically rinse and repeat the entire army that you played last year. They they really don't rotate out. They might make a couple changes, but if you're playing the exact same faction versus last year versus this year, you can probably recycle probably eighty percent of whatever you have. Okay, it's probably a pretty fair statement. The idea I was getting in my mind, I was like, man, that must pretty be pretty expensive like buying different orcs each time having to paint different ones <laughs> oh no man it's nothing like magic like we're magic no, no, if no. you play like the the current formats that cycles out like what every year every two years uh, I, I, I think they're on two years now but yeah i get I confused these days in a while, but 
sounds about right, like two years. And then so every two years in Magic, like if you're just playing with the current formats, you have to switch. You have to buy new cards to keep up or you're going to start to fall behind. Okay. Uh, that's what I liked about Warhammer. Like it was a one-time purchase. Like I'm positive this is what I want. I'm going to paint. I'm going to build. And it takes yep. you forever to paint, build, and assemble and do all that stuff anyway. Uh, so it works out. Yeah, you, you you tell somebody that oh to get into this hobby, the average army cost from from A to Z on a semi-competitive build, they're going to spend four to six hundred dollars. And you tell somebody that, and that's like big sticker shock. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it really is. I, I get that. I get that. But when you look at it, it's going to take you probably a hundred and fifty hours to two hundred hours to build, paint, and assemble it, and then. You can basically play that for probably two to three years if that's what you want to play when varying different degrees of success. Yeah, man. And the memories you make while painting and building them, you can upload these pictures to your gaming groups, to Instagram, yep. Twitter, whatever. It's just the experience along the way is just, it helps a lot. Yes. Reddit community. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man. Uh, go ahead and... Uh, fill us in any anything funny happened on the way to las vegas uh this this past year now it was a pretty pretty smooth trip uh the flight over the flight back was a little bumpy but going over no issue uh i got to vegas um uh checking an army bag is always interesting you know Hmm. carrying on your army with you you know you gotta pay for a bag that all your models can go into and can go in your carry on. So yeah. Tell us about it, that. Because like uh, the only tournament I've been to, I can like, it's five hour driving distance to me. So tell us like who people like me, who've never been out of state to a play in a Warhammer tournament, who might be interested in doing it about that, because I wouldn't even know what to do with that. So army transport is really, it, it's a whole nother issue to think about. So your question earlier about picking the army that you're going to play and take with you and all that kind of stuff, it's really one of the things you got to consider. Uh, how are you going to get it there? If you're going to get on a plane, that means that your army has to fit in a carry-on bag because you're not going to check that thing. I mean, you, you could if you're insane, but I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> too much money. Too too much money, too much hard work. It's yeah, a hard work, man. The love. I don't care about the, the, the money for the models. It's the hours that I'll never get back. Yeah. Um, so that's the other thing you asked about how do you pick what you what you're gonna play it's it's what you can take with you so there's a handful of manufacturers out there that make carry-on bags that have racking in them that you, you glue magnets on the bottom of your models and they stick to metal trays and all that kind of stuff and they fit in a neat little carry-on bag uh, you can't fit everything in there you can't fit like what you would build sometimes you have to fit what you can fit so that's one of the things that you have to really consider is getting it there. How big the model is. Does it fit in the case? How many models can I fit in my case? All those little things uh, lead into that decision previously. So one of the things you've mentioned, that's what I ended up doing is I actually went through and uh, made sure that it would fit. You know, I didn't want to submit a list that doesn't fit in my bag. Yeah. Um, so I got everything set up to where I could travel with it. Trip is pretty smooth. Nothing major. Vegas is a good time. If you haven't been, I recommend. Got there checked in the night before so the little thing at the las vegas open so anybody who is in tune to the warhammer community will recognize the name but they won't recognize it for age of sigmar they'll recognize it for uh, warhammer 40,000. the las vegas open is the biggest warhammer 40,000 tournament that happens basically every year this year they had about 600 participants if i, if I remember correctly six or seven hundred players 
that may not seem like a lot in comparison to most people who play, say, Magic or like a Street Fighter tournament or League of Legends or anything like that. But you got to think about what it takes for two people to play Warhammer 40,000. You need a six by four table with a whole lot of terrain on it, a gaming mat, and of course, everybody brings their own stuff past that. Think of the amount of space that takes. No, oh, so that, that's quite a lot of space. <laughs> it, it's huge. It, it, it's huge. I'll, I'll, I'll share some pictures up of the, um, of the 40K rooms for, for this event. Can you see um, the earth curve in these pictures? <laughs> not quite, but you do see a sea of nerds. So just FYI. For the terrain, have, <laughs> do you, on the terrain, do you play on what's made by Games Workshop? Or is it like just this custom-made terrain? Yes, is a simple answer to that question. I mean, me personally, like at the house, I have a little bit of everything. But whenever you go to these tournaments, uh, that's really on the tournament organizer and their team of volunteers. When you show up to like for uh, all the tables are filled already. They're already set up. There's terrain on all the tables. Um, they use a little bit of game workshop stuff, but the majority is a mix of custom fab and uh, MDF terrain is what you see most of the time on these okay. big tournaments. And my follow-up question would be, what is the most interesting terrain you've ever played on? Oh, that- so that was, that was probably like the Houston tournament that I played last year. It was a custom table. They they, had a, they did a really neat thing for that tournament where they actually um, did a, a prizing event for for you to bring your table set up and the best table won a, a prize for the for the event. Mm-hmm. So the table that I got to play on had these awesome kind of like lava pillars and floating discs. It, it was it was wild. I, it's hard to kind of describe. I'd have to show you some pictures of it. But it was probably one of the, the most interesting ones where it was very super vertical. They had pieces on the table that were like two to three feet tall, like about two feet tall from the table, semi-suspended it. Really, really neat stuff. Again, it's really arts and crafts where somebody made that stuff all by hand, yeah. um, and then brought it to the tournament to show off. Super neat. Yeah, and uh, really custom. These pictures, like that, Daniel. Please, like, I invited Daniel to our DTS gaming community group uh, on Discord, and he started sharing some pictures of the army that he's painted with us. Uh, that he's painted, and he shared those pictures with us. And we're going to share those pictures with you as well. So, Daniel, please don't hold back, man. Like any picture that you got that you that maybe because I have this like I take a lot of pictures. So I have pictures that I've never shared, shown anyone else. You know what I mean? Like share them with me, share them with us, share them with the community. We can pick and choose some of those and put them up on our Instagram. So you can see that, you know, that Daniel here is actually with us, talking to us. And we (laughs) want to share his stuff with you. You know, it's part of building this whole community that I'm trying to build is a worldwide community instead of a local community. We're starting locally. We're starting with people that I know, people that live close to me. But eventually, I want to build this into a worldwide community. So... If you are listening, share with us. Share anything that you can with us at DTS underscore gaming crew on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're not hard to find. If you look for us, you will find us DTS gaming crew. Uh, sorry to take away from you there, Daniel. But uh, No, you're doing good, man. No <laughs> but yeah, going to the terrain, man, that's you know, that's that's what reminded me. Like, yeah, share those pictures with us, man, because I would love to see that. Uh, you were you're at the event. Have you gotten to the All event right. yet? Right. Cause you- so, so I was talking a little bit about like what the event as a whole look like. So again, so we have a small section for the, for the age of Sigmar. I think there was a hundred and 
70 or 180 players for the Age of Sigmar event. It's the second largest. It was the second largest Age of Sigmar event, period. The number one event, for some crazy reason, is in Australia every year. And they have about, I think, close to 300. But it's the biggest in the United States, for sure. Biggest in Europe, also. So we get there. We do the check-in. When you're checking into these events, you're just going, picking up your... Um, most people are familiar with picking up your con badges and all that kind of good stuff. You got to wait in that terrible, terrible line. So checked in. That was on Friday. He flew in on on Thursday because uh, round one is on uh, Friday. So we check in, get everything settled, all that kind of good stuff. And then pretty much after that, you know, that the tournament played over all day Friday. Yeah, we played from uh, nine o'clock in the morning to about. 6.37 p.m. at night, played three different games of Warhammer. And then on Saturday, it's two games, one before lunch and one after lunch, break in between. And I can kind of give you a little bit of a rundown of some of the people that I met when I was going and kind of like the things that I learned, if you're interested. Yeah, of course. Um, for How does sportsman, sportsmanship go for these kind of events? I guess all across the board when it comes to like Magic Gathering, Warhammer, like do they announce... Who you're going to be going against, and do you got time to like maybe go up to them and like shake their hand, and just be like, "Hey, man, I wish you a good game," or is it just like you don't know until you're at like, oh, you're seven o'clock hour and you're there, and they just put you in front of a guy? You tend to have enough time. Sportsmanship is a really big thing in most big tabletop games. I mean, like I reference Magic a lot because it's what I have the most experience in. You, you know, Magic, you might sit down with somebody for maybe forty-five minutes with like minimum conversation you know you might meet the guy with the sunglasses and headphones in and just kind of waves at you um, <laughs> um, but like with warhammer like you know it it's it's very different i mean you're really spending a couple hours as another gamer and sportsmanship is absolutely huge in these type of games wheaton's rule is kind of like a really big thing you know just don't be a dick you know show up have a good time smile you're given enough time to Meet the person, they can go, they can talk about each other's lists. Uh, Age of Sigmar is a perfect knowledge game, so they don't hide anything from you. They have to answer whatever questions that you, that you have about their army, their rules, anything like that. So you tend to have enough time to, to meet the person, talk over the, the mission that you're playing for, for the turn, work out the, the logistics of, you know, who goes first, all that kind of stuff like that, decide that you want, blah, blah, blah. You, you tend to have a, like a really reasonable time. Um, since you mentioned sportsmanship, that's actually a really good segue. People have like a fear that whenever they go to these real big competitive events, that they're just going to come across, um, in, in quotations, that guy. Uh, <laughs> that uh, y- y- y'all know that guy, right? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> um, they're they're going to come across, you know, that guy from the LGS that really tough to play against because they make their rules real difficult and they try to be sneaky and this and that, and they try to get you. And, you know, whenever you call them out on any of the rules, they give you really hard time about it, you know, quote unquote, that guy. I'll be <laughs> honest. It's like, you really don't meet that guy at these kind of events. Warhammer is not that situation. Warhammer is more of the type of where you go up, you set up, your, your army, you start working through things, and you really do operate on the goodwill of the other person a lot of the game to the point where it's like, oh, hey, go ahead and finish your movement phase. I'm going to go get us a beer. What do you like? I'll be right back. <laughs> it, it, that's really the kind of game that you're playing. It, it, it's 
It, it's very, very gentle person like, you know. It, it's not, it's very competitive, but it's not super cutthroat. You know, it's not that kind of cutthroat. They'll, they'll beat your face and don't get me wrong, and they'll smile doing it. And <laughs> but they'll, they'll, they'll show you how everything works and all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, it, it's definitely not. Sportsmanship's a really big thing. Um, so they, they, they give awards for sportsmanship by basically uh, you get to nominate your favorite game that the favorite person you played against over the course of the, of the event. And TOs always reward that. If you get like two to three nods uh, over the event, like they always come across with price support. So it's actually rewarded for that kind of stuff. And if you end up with like issues, TOs will come talk to you. But I mean, you look at like a 200 person event and then you really don't even have that happening. M- maybe once, maybe twice at the most. You look at even Warhammer 40k, which has a couple of those guys in it, in a six, seven hundred person event. You know, maybe they can kick out one person the entire day over some weird rules thing, but that's really it. it it's very gentleman like, gentle person like. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Yes, yes, definitely. Like, like Maverick said, like you really should get out there and you know play these events and you know just go have a good time, and don't worry about the the in between. It'll work itself out. Just show up, have a good time, paint your stuff. You'll have fun. It's absolutely a blast. Cool. All right, so where were we in the story? Let's see. Oh, yeah, so starting uh, day one, jumping in and starting to play, right? So this is a worldwide event, apparently, the one there in Vegas. People come from all over the world. My round one opponent was actually the team lead for the one of the European team championships. Uh, he was... Uh, <laughs> Number one or number two ranked player in all of France. A guy named Philip, I forget his last name, um, had a perfectly competitive build, top notch. He totally kicked my teeth in. But, man, we had a great game playing through. He was a pleasure to play against. He was super friendly, explained everything. Really nice guy. And that pretty much, like, set my tone for 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 my for my weekend event. <laughs> <laughs> so it started off to started off the event pretty much uh, limping, took took one on the chin. Uh, learned a pretty good lesson of what uh, a real competitive build looked like versus you know my build in that particular case, <laughs> and learning a new army at the same time, which was a mistake. Um, Wait, what, what so, do you mean by that? Oh, okay. So what I meant by that is so the the previous year uh, that I've been pretty much playing that I took to. Houston and all that kind of good stuff like that. Uh, I had been playing a different faction. I had been playing uh, Stormcast Eternals, and um, what I took to Vegas this year was a uh, Cities of Sigmar, which is kind of a mixed order army. It's a little bit of leftovers from the old world. Completely different army, completely different force. I played a handful of games with it, and I didn't realize how little I knew. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I've made that mistake in Magic form. So yep. Yeah, these are lessons learned, you know, that uh, yep. we're also hoping to share with you if you're an aspiring competitive gamer that don't second guess yourself and go with what you know. Like even if no one else is playing it, even though, you know, it may not be a popular deck to play. But if you know it inside out, if you know that army inside out, just play it. Yep. It, it That's one of those lessons you learn and then you forget it and then you remember why you should never forget that again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So that, so that, 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 that's pretty much a, you know, I kind of alluded to the, to the interesting point there, right? Maverick, you know, play what you know, right. That that's really one of like my biggest things that, that I took away to this tournament. I, I shifted gears. The book was new. 
I was excited to play it, excited <laughs> to paint models, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I put the best that I could in my time restrictions. And that was pretty much the, the, the theme of uh, my event over the weekend was pretty much, you know, learning what real competitives build were in Age of Sigmar and then real what didn't quite work the way that I thought it did. Wasn't quite as good as I thought it was whenever I got shown what really good was. <laughs> so like when I would go to these kind of tournaments, I would always try to see what was the most competitive build. Like what competitive builds are other people playing? Did you do the same or is this game too obscure for people to do that? No, definitely not. It, there, there are definitely, there's always a meta. Uh, they, they, they talk about it just like in Magic the Gathering and other games like that. There's always a meta for, you know, what, what the top armies are and within the top armies, what the top army builds are and what the best things are. The, the biggest difference in, in this game versus, say, Magic is uh, what they call just hobby lag. When new stuff comes out, you don't always know what's best because it takes people a couple months to get it painted and get it on the table. Then you get to see the results after a while and then see how it does versus everything else out there. Right. So that was pre- so that was pretty much what happened to me on that one. It was kind of a new something to come out. I kind of shot from the hip and figure out, tried the best what I wanted to, comboed with a little bit of what I wanted to paint, and just kind of went for it after that. Gotcha. But yeah, there's def- there's definitely meta out there that you can follow and and get an eye on what's good and what's bad. Good to know. And is there a favor? Is there a favorable unit you see usually within a faction that whenever they go to these tournaments, or a favorite unit itself? that you see a lot of people use every faction in in the in the game tends to have what they would call like standout units best in slot is a good way to put it without getting too crunchy into things you know if you're playing against fire slayers which are the little naked dwarves with the red mohawks that you might be familiar with from some of the posters Mm -hmm. um there is a particular unit called the Volkite volkite berserker that is top notch one of the toughest things in the absolute game and if you if you come across that army competitively, they're probably going to be running sixty of them. <laughs> if they're if they're on like the top tier list that you can come across, um, which is what I played against a gentleman from France in round one, I I, I, I learned why that's the best <laughs> for that particular group. <laughs> and it's cool that uh, throughout all of this, that your wife is pretty supportive of this man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, she she's always been very supportive in all these kind of hobbies and stuff like that. She's never been a naysayer. You know, there's always a lot worse things that we can be doing other than yeah. just video gaming and stuff. So <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, so first round, you lost to this guy who was, was apparently very good. Then what happened? Um, very lost a guy very that was apparently very good. Pretty much uh, that was first coming back in after lunch. I'm trying to remember I played a. Uh, uh, Seraphon player, uh, which is the old uh, Lizardmen armies of back in the day, had a super close game, came down to the wire. I lost by one point by scoring overall, just barely missed it, had an amazing game. It was a blast. The guy was a total gent, uh, had a lot of fun, barely, barely lost a round, completely barely lost a round. Played my third game of the day um, after that. Played a nice gentleman from uh, Wales, uh, England. Got my teeth kicked in. Um, <laughs> like four bloodthirsters, if you're familiar with what that is. You know, big old red demon thing. Yeah, 
totally kicked my butt. A lot of fun, and that, that that's how I that's how I rounded up my 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 day. Met three different guys from three different continents and played three different wonderful games of Warhammer. Barely managed to score uh, any points off of the day, but had a total blast doing it for the most part. It was really, really a good time. And then locked and loaded for uh, day number two, which was the Saturday Saturday gaming. And you're going uh, into day two, oh and three, oh and three, oh and three. So smile um, on your face. Uh, it, it really, I really did, man. I, I really did have a smile <laughs> on my face too. That's good. had a really good time because <laughs> you know th- there's a big difference between losing three games and then feeling like you just got like curb stomped and then had a bad play experience and didn't have a good time and all these kind of stuff like that. And and I really didn't have that. First game was completely educational. Second game <laughs> was super close. And in, and on, on, honestly, the third game was really close. It wasn't that far off. I, I wasn't that far out of it. But I felt like I had a chance and it was enjoyable the entire time. I didn't have a, a bad play experience, as I like to say. You know? <laughs> cool. Good to know, man. Yeah, like I said, 0-3, smile on your face. That, that's the sign of a true gamer right there. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, man. Day two. Day two. All right. Locked and loaded for, for day two. Come up against a, a gentleman that had a, an ancient Tomb Kings army. Only one at the event. So if, if you know anything about Tomb Kings, they are the old Egyptian skeletons from Warhammer Fantasy Battle that have been pretty much discontinued for years on end. For some weird reason, you can still play them in tournaments for whatever reason. They haven't made new models for this line for probably seven years plus, six years at least. But this particular gentleman, you know, had a passion for his army and decided to play it anyway. Sat down, we actually had a pretty reasonable game going through it. The last two rounds that I played, I have never rolled so many four dice in my entire life. And and, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Because, <laughs> oh my god, I've never seen so many ones. And just have everything just go sideways. You know, it's a dice game. You just don't know how it's going to happen. The curse of the Egyptian gods, man. It, it got me, man. <laughs> and and I, I gave this guy his, his dream for playing at the Las Vegas Open was, was playing Tomb Kings. And getting to win one game, so he he got that one game off of me, <laughs> and but we had a real good time. You know, it was really one of those cases where I thought I had it in the bag after turn three, and then it just went sideways after that. But we had a real good time, no big deal. At, at this point, you know, go go to lunch, take a break, and um, start talking to my wife about the whole deal. And she's like, "Well, are you gonna finish? You got one more game." I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna finish." You know, we're here. I might as well pick up another game. It's kind of the fishing mentality, right? A good game, good day fishing is better than a good day at work. So same thing with Warhammer, right? So just going to go have, go throw some dice, have, have a good time, have some fun. Come back from lunch on day two. Uh, lock and load for uh, my 0-4 record at this point. You know, hoping to, you know, maybe steal a, a win in and, and the last round, get in there and match up against a gentleman. I can't remember where he was from. He was from the States. And he actually had a very competitive orc build. And whenever I walked up to the table, at this point, I understand the shortcomings of my army. And I look at his and I'm looking at the whole thing going like, okay, I don't think I can win this. And I don't know how this guy is 0-4. It doesn't make any sense to me. So we played through the game and I pretty much take take the beating that I expected was coming because I didn't think I could you know, win the army. And the guy was okay to play against. He was a little salty. I think he was having a hard day being... Being you know zero and four versus me being zero and four, I was I was doing okay at zero and four. He wasn't, so he got his one and four, and you know I guess I made the guy's day. 
at the end of the time. But overall, it was fun. Uh, wrapped up. And it looked like I pretty much went 0-5 for the entire event. But I finished all my games. I played all of my games. All that kind of good stuff. So overall, it was a pretty, really, really interesting experience. And I actually found out something pretty interesting uh, the next day that I wasn't expecting. What's that? So I don't, I don't know if this award exists in anything else. And actually, I didn't find this out until I believe um, I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday after the event, after we were back in Texas. I get a message from the TO that I had won an award. And I don't know if this award exists in anything else besides Warhammer. Maybe you can tell me, Mato. Is the wooden spoon anything else? In, <laughs> is, is that from anything else besides Warhammer? Uh, I mean, the only thing I can relate to a wooden spoon is an episode of The Simpsons, so I doubt that it's real. <laughs> <laughs> so what's a wooden spoon in Simpsons? Like, uh, like uh, tell me that. I, I'm curious. <laughs> I think it's that episode. It's not an award, but it's it just reminded me of the episode where Homer carved his he carved his own chili spoon, and it's, it was a wooden chili spoon. <laughs> so I was like, uh, unless this is Simpsons related, I have never heard of that. All right, so. What the wooden spoon is is in Warhammer is it's the award for the person who finishes last in the tournament that completes all other games and had a few favorite game matches submitted to them. Like so, like for example, for me, like I went zero and five and I, I lost out the tournament, ended up with the fewest battle points. But I ended up having a couple people submit me as the favorite opponent for the event. And so I won the Wooden Spoon Award. And they they mailed it to me. And I, I have to send you a picture of this because it's <laughs> it's um it's very special. That, that's all I can say. It it is a um oh it's about two and a half, three feet, and it is a giant wooden axe that that that's um that was hand carved by the TO and some of his friends. And over the course of the weekend, everybody signs it to plays in a tournament. That so, is crazy. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll send you a picture of it because it's, it, it's, it was really yeah. the, Please, like the man. capstone for, for the whole thing. It, it was that case of where, when I was looking at over the scoring, I was like, nope, I missed it. It's like, I, I, a couple of people scored worse than I did. But I was the only one that that scored worse, but still ended up with positive game votes. So they gave it to me. So that's the, and you know this this is the kind of perfect content that we're looking for, man. I would love to share this on our gaming group, like our uh, Twitter, Instagram channels, to to show people, man, that hey, I don't know these kind of awards, these kind of experiences exist out there. You just yeah. have to go out there and make them. It's so different for like people showing up to Warhammer events. It's like they're not showing up to Warhammer events to win a ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars prize pot. Like they're they're showing up to get a trophy for best in faction or best overall. Yeah, and that's it. And 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 a <laughs> and a hundred dollar box of models for an army that you don't play. That's it. So curious, being the person that I am, I googled wooden spoon, and I and this is what I typed literally wooden spoon meaning because I thought it maybe it had a deeper meaning that I didn't know about, and apparently it does. A wooden spoon is an award that is given to an individual or team who slash which has come last in a competition. Examples range from the academic to sporting 
and more frivolous events. Where would where would Warhammer fall under here? Frivolous, huh? You said frivolous. <laughs> uh, that's the perfect ending here to uh, Daniel's journey. Everything has come full circle. Oh yeah, for sure. And I can't wait to get those pictures. Honestly, I can't wait to I can't wait to get <laughs> that so I can share it with everyone. Hopefully, we're reaching people out there that are hesitant about making a journey and making an experience for themselves. Uh, maybe we're reaching people that are hesitant to even just go to their local shop, the one right down the street, to hang out with the gamers there. There's a lot of gamers. You're you're eventually gonna run into, like Daniel said, that guy. I've known plenty of those guys. And they suck, yes. But there's plenty more, way more people that want to help you, want to help you get better, want to make experiences with out there in the world than there are terrible people. You just got to find us. Yep, definitely. Like, and, and when it comes to these big events, really the biggest thing on those is just get out there, go participate. Those guys don't exist. And in those big groups like that, the people don't let them. Yeah. Like everybody is there to have a good time. Everybody's there to have fun. Mm-hmm. And... You know, they're all teaching and having just having a blast. I mean, the the tournament organizer for that event uh, shipped me that giant wooden axe out of California and didn't have to do that. Didn't have to reach out to me. Didn't have to do any of those things. I didn't know I missed the award because I didn't show up to the award ceremony on Sunday. I was out with the wife in Vegas. It happens. And <laughs> these are the type of people that are out there. And they exist for so many members of the community. There's so many other types of games out there that don't have these huge communities, but the people there are deeply passionate about the games and what they mean to them. Even for Magic, there's so many great people out there. Just just get out there and meet them. Go play. Before I forget this question, Daniel, mm-hmm. Hit me. you're planning to go back, right? So so my, my, my lessons <laughs> learned from this tournament were so vast. Um, I had honestly planned on playing. Uh, Texas has... Four major two-day events throughout the course of the year. I had planned on making every one of them in Texas this year and then going back to Vegas to wrap my tournament season up again for next year or for this year. Of course, you know, due to the whole COVID thing, we're behind two tournaments. And I think the next one maybe might be in July. And for some crazy reason, every time they put up tickets for everything in Texas so far, everything is sold out the day of. I'm on two waiting lists already to go back. I would have played another tournament two weeks ago if we hadn't been under lockdown. And right now I got my eye on one, I believe, in the end of June if I get off the waiting list. So, yes, definitely. Going back next year. We're going back to Vegas next year. The tickets for Vegas next year go on sale, I believe, in September. And I will probably be buying uh, day one so I can have my tickets so I can play again. I'm going back. There you go. If you're hesitant and you want to talk to people who can walk you through these experiences that's why we're here the dts gaming crew reach out to us we'll help you with whatever we can of course mike is there anything that maybe you want to add before we start to wrap all of this fun stuff up um just come share your stories with us like daniel like i had really fun listening to his story and i look forward to hearing more guest stories so this was great Thank you, Daniel, for joining us. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely, Mike. It was fun talking with you guys. Before we go, an important word from our one and only dedicated sponsor. And we'd love to have more, of course. So if you'd wish to sponsor our podcast and uh, hear more interesting stories like the one that you heard from Daniel, please reach out to us. Like I said, we're not hard to find. 
On to our sponsor, Puppy Hustle. Puppy Hustle is the name. Our curated fashion is the perfect mix of modern and vintage, trendy and timeless, and allows us to save the world with sustainable clothing, one pre-loved garment at a time. And they actually have a pretty cool thing going on right now. If you sign up for Posh using the code Puppy Hustle, they'll save you $5 off their first order. We're going to put those on our tweet and Instagram channels as well. So if you missed the name, it's Puppy Hustle. That's what it's called. Daniel, thanks again, man, for coming here, sharing your experience. I hope that this inspires and motivates gamers out there to reach out and help me build this worldwide global community of tabletop gamers. Man, anything you want to say? Any shout outs to maybe your local gaming store or friends, buddies, anything? Uh, no, we're, we're pretty isolated over here in, in my current area. So it's just me and a couple of friends playing Garage Hammer and that kind of stuff. But uh, I just want to take a second to say uh, thanks, guys, for letting me share my story. Like you said, I hope it inspires at least one person to get out there, pick up the hobby that they've been looking at for a while and go have fun. And, you know, just have a good time. Relax. Smile. It'll all be OK. Thanks again, Daniel. Um, this has been Maverick along with Michael, guys. Yeah, this is the DTS Gaming Crew Journey into the Age of Sigmar special episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us, like us, share our stuff on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, DTS underscore Gaming Crew. Thank you for tuning in and you have a wonderful day, evening, morning, good night. Good night, guys. Good night.